I want to share today about something I've been sharing for quite a while now about the house that God wants to build his way. God is building his house. And we started a message a few weeks ago about what are, the, what are some things that still need to be restored. And it's interesting because today, all through, I've been hearing about one new man, about the nations, about Jew and Gentile. We've been singing about that all today. And I want to talk today about a one new man. Now, we've talked about one new man before. But I really believe this is a season, this is an era now where God is going to bring that together. I don't know how all that he needs. He needs to do a lot, but he is able to do far more abundantly than we can ever imagine. He, he can do it. So um, I'm going to start reading in, in Ephesians chapter 2. If you would turn there with me. Starting in verse 11, some familiar verses, but I pray today, Yeshua, that these words that we read today from your word would come alive in our hearts. This is what you are building today. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11. Therefore, keep in mind that once you, Gentiles in the flesh, I'm not pointing my fingers, I'm just... Paul would be doing that. You Gentiles in the flesh were called uncircumcision by those called circumcision, which is performed on flesh by hand. At that time, you were separate from Messiah, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, I love this, in Messiah Yeshua, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Messiah. For he is our shalom, the one who made the two into one and broke down the middle wall of separation within his flesh. He made powerless the hostility, the law code of mitzvot contained in regulations. He did this in order to create with himself one new man from the two groups, making shalom, and to reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, by which he put to death, by which he put the hostility to death, and he came and proclaimed shalom to you who were far away and shalom to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by the same Ruach. So then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. You have been built on the foundation made up of the emissaries and the prophets with Messiah Yeshua himself being the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple of the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into God's dwelling place in the Ruach. He is building his house. He's making the two one, the chief cornerstone being Yeshua. It's interesting in verse 15, he says, the middle wall of separation has been torn down. In Hebrew, that word is mechitza. Mechitza is the middle wall. And there was literally a wall of separation. And according to Josephus, the Jewish historian, he said there was a, there was a, um, uh, an inscription 
on this middle wall. And this is what that inscription said. No man of another nation to enter within the fence and enclosure around the temple. And whoever is caught will have himself to blame for his death, that his death ensues. That was an actual inscription on this mechitza, this middle wall of separation. But praise God, in Yeshua, that middle wall of enmity has been torn down. The power of the gospel creates a new kind of humanity, a new kind of man, a one new man, where that separation has been taken apart. The enmity, believe it or not, is not Torah. It never says the enmity was Torah. The enmity was between God and the Gentile and the Gentile and the Jew. That was the enmity. But it's been not only removed, but destroyed in Yeshua's body. And the community that is seen here, and as we read the last few verses, it's a building that is being built. Jew and Gentile, one together. That doesn't mean the Jew denies who he is or the Gentile denies who he is, but they come together in their unity, in diversity, which makes up unity. That's how God brings his family together. You see, we are recreated. We've been recreated individually in Ephesians 4.24. It says, and put on the new self. See, all of us, when we're born again, we become a new creation. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, we have a new identity in him, the individual. But we've also been We're being recreated as a community. In Ephesians 2.15, I read that just now. It says, he made powerless the hostility, the law code of mitzvot contained in regulations. He did this in order to create within himself one new man from the two groups, making shalom, making peace. I'm a firm believer that we will see a one new man through all the shaking that's going on, this is what God, this is one of the main things that God is doing, is bringing us together, Jew and Gentile, tearing down that wall that he already tore down in his body. See, I believe that we experienced a measure of the one new man. Last week when we had Yom Teruah here with Gateway on Mount Zion and so many others, this was, this was what it was like. That was one new man, celebrating Yeshua together, celebrating the, the king together with our differences, and yet, honoring and loving one another. That's what God is wanting to bring together. That's why we're involved with other community, with other uh, initiatives taking place in the city and in this region because we want to see where Sunday people and Shabbat people can come together. Yeah, we might have some differences in theology. And you know what? I love my messianic Jewish theology. And I'm going to keep observing the Shabbat and all the feasts because I love them. That's part of who I am. But I'm also going to love my brother who goes to Sunday church. Amen? This is what the one new man looks like. But we can come together on some main things. God needs us all to, to, to walk in that breaking down those walls. Read this quote. A new community. new community is most poignant declaration is the most poignant declaration of gospels of the gospel power and i had to go and find out what does that mean poignant we hear that word sometimes but not it's not very it's the most poignant declaration of the gospel what does that mean poignant it means moving deeply affecting touching but also slightly painful You know what? Coming together, one new man, Jew and Gentile, is a little bit painful. But I tell you what, this is what the world needs to see right now. 
What the world needs now is love. No, we won't go there. But this is what this is the this is the representation of the gospel is that we can come together. That's the declaration of the power of the gospel. Today, for the first time, and I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again. For the first time in 2,000 years, you have an international ecclesia, an international church that has gone from Jerusalem to the ends of the world. Hallelujah. There are, I don't know how many people groups have, have, have yet to be reached, but it is coming down on a regular basis. Praise God. The gospel has gone forth from Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, to the uttermost ends of the earth. That is incredible. So we have an international ecclesia church. We also have a Jewish remnant, the largest Jewish remnant crying out to Yeshua in 2,000 years. Since 1967, more Jews have come to the Lord than the previous 1,800 years before that. There's a Jewish remnant all over the world. You know, there are Jews in Mexico, aren't there? There are Jews in Africa, we've met them. There are Jews all over the world. And guess what? There are also Jews in Israel crying out, Baruch Abba B'Shem Adonai. There are some incredible things happening. Fifty years ago in Israel, there was a handful of Jewish believers. Today there's 20,000 at least Jewish believers. 200 kehilot, congregations throughout the land. So the first time there's a church, an international church going to the ends of the earth, even into Korea, China. You know that the greatest, and I've shared this before, the greatest revival going on, you know where it's at today, is in Iran and then China, and guess where else? If Afghanistan, places like that. There is a church of believers. And for the first time, 1948, the birth of Israel. All of these are in place. All of these are in place. The gospel of the kingdom has gone to every ethnos, to the goyim, to the nations, to the Gentiles. Fifty years goes in Israel, like I said, a handful of believers. But see, this is where, this is where what, the part that we're part, this, the, the remnant of, the Messianic Jewish remnant is, the church needs to see all of this. The church needs to see all of these things as a prophetic fulfillment of Scripture. You see, this is, what, this is what's going on today. And we're, that's why we're so excited to be part of some of these initiatives so that we can share with the church that doesn't know that much about Israel. They don't embrace the things that we embrace necessarily because they don't understand. Yeah, there's replacement theology, but there's just all plain ignorance too. But we need to be the ones to share about what God is doing so that they will see that. Wow, this is prophetic fulfillment happening right before our very eyes. And we need to be encouraged throughout, and we're encouraged throughout the New Testament to love and to honor one another. Yeshua's words in John 13, 35, he says, By this all will know that you are my disciples. How? By having great theology. By having the most beautiful churches in the world. By having airplanes that can take you wherever you want to go. That's how people are going to know. Right? No. He says, the world will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Yeshua knew the beginning from the end. He knew that that middle wall in his body was going to be torn down. That we are able to love and honor 
those that you might have theological disagreements with. And you may love and honor those people who have no theology at all or who do not love God. But see, that is going to be the radical thing that changes people's hearts is when they see the love that we have for them. You see, we cannot effectively bear his image and we are to bear his image unless we are really true family. And this, is, this has been stated out. This is the mandate that we read in, in Genesis chapter 1 from the very beginning. I've read this many times, but I'm going to read it again. Genesis 1, verse 26. And I'm going to be reading out of the complete Jewish Bible because I think it's a little bit more um, specific. It says, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, in the likeness of ourselves. They're having a discussion in eternity. The Father and the Ruach and, and Yeshua are having this. Let's make this in, in our image. And let them rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the animals, and over all the earth, and over every crawling creature that crawls on the earth. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. See, we often read through these words and, oh, this is the creation. We have to get through this, get to the next stuff. Get to the New Testament where it's really meaty stuff. And yet, let's start at the beginning. This is what God intended for humankind. And God, it goes on and says, God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and every living creature that crawls on the earth. Very specific text here. First of all, he stated his intention. He's having this drosh, so to speak, with Yeshua and the Spirit. They're talking about their intention. And then he did it. He created the act of creation itself. And then after the creation, he blessed and he said, Go and multiply and subdue and rule over. There's a mandate that comes with the blessing. And that mandate, that blessing has not changed. Yes, sin came into the world. But hallelujah, Yeshua took care of the sin problem. So we can now walk in the blessing through the authority that we have because of the mandate that was given way back in Genesis. Do we understand that? Do we realize the authority that we have in him? You see, we bear his likeness. And in that likeness, we're unified in our diversity. He said he made them male and female. Right there, we see there's diversity, male and female. And we can infer through that there's also going to be children in the picture too. And, and so we see this right from the beginning, but this is accompanied, this diversity brings about unity when we're in him. And this is accompanied by dominion on the earth. See, the authority is given by God, and it's initiated by covenant relationship. See, that's why God is so into keeping covenant relationship. We talked about the other night at Yom Kippur service, remember we talked in Kol Nidre about breaking vows and about yet our, let our yes be yes and our no be no. Covenant relationship is all about pe being people of our word. When we say something, we do it. 
we keep that word. Covenant relationship. And when we are walking in covenant relationship, first of all, with one another. That's why we pray for reconciliation and family. So that when we're in that covenant relationship, the authority is there. When we have that authority, we can do incredible things walking in that authority. It's initiated by covenant relationship. See, hopefully this will understand why we're under such an attack right now in our families, in this nation. And I'm going to mention this, and, and, and here's why. There's an agenda, the LGBT agenda, LGBT, BLM, Black Lives Matters. It's not that we are against gays, homosexuals. Please understand we love them. We need to love them into the kingdom. And I know many who have been saved, set free, and delivered, and who love the Lord. Okay, that is not the issue. But there is an agenda. There is an agenda behind that basically to destroy the family. That's what I'm talking about. We need to see these people as broken, hurting people, wounded people. But behind them, there is an agenda that wants to destroy and to mar God's image in us. And we need to understand that. We don't hate the homosexual, but we cannot accept their defining what constitutes families. That's settled by God. So when we see there's a compromise... And if you even look at BLM, and I have no problem with, with, with saying this, is that if you look at what they're all about, I'm talking about the organization. They are committed to the destruction of the nuclear family. They want to see the family destroyed. And you know what? They have done a pretty good job. But we need to stand up and say, no, there is a standard that has been set by God and that's the covenant standard that we need to walk in. And so when we see something that smells of that agenda, we need to say, no, we will not walk in that. And we have authority to not walk into that. You see, the gospel is all about being immersed in spiritual family. He says, go, therefore, to all the world, preach the gospel, and immerse them into the Father, into the Son, into the Holy Spirit. Being immersed into family, immersed into relationship, that's what expands the kingdom. This is where the true transformation takes place in us and in our communities. International, Jew and Gentile, a kingdom worldview. Otherwise, if we're not walking in that kingdom of the gospel, the kingdom of the of Yeshua, then we're walking in the gospel of individual salvation and we're having weekly conferences. Do you understand what you hear what I'm saying? And, and, and I'm really be feeling an urgency, an urgency in, in this message is that the days of weekly conferences where we come together and we get good information, we feel good, we go home, and then no changes take place, no transportation, those days are over. Those days are over. Yes, it's wonderful that God has a, that we can have a personal relationship, an individual relationship with God, but it's all about kingdom. It's all about family. It's all about seeing his kingdom extended and expanded throughout the whole world. That's why we, Millie and I, we have such a heart to go into the, to the nations. We want all of us to be going and therefore, you know, and discipling. 
Amen? Galatians 2. This, this was God's heart. Paul understood this. Yeshua, this was Yeshua's heart from the very beginning. And in, in, in Galatians chapter 2, we read, there is going to be a test of the one new man. And we're seeing it being tested today. But you know that that's not the new. It was tested in, in, the, in the New Testament. As we read this about Paul rebuked Peter because of this whole issue. In, in verse, starting in verse 11, Galatians 2 verse 11, it says, But when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him face to face because he was clearly in the wrong. For before certain people came from Jacob, he regularly ate with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and to separate himself, fearing those from the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews joined him in his hypocrisy. You see, when that begins to take place and people begin to separate themselves, others people see that they begin to separate themselves. so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not walking in line with the truth of the good news. Let me read that again. Paul saw that they were, it says, they were not walking in line with the truth of the good news. I said to Peter in front of everyone, if you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Why did Paul rebuke Peter? Peter was not being straightforward with the truth of the gospel. Wow. You see, we're not justified by our works. We're not justified by the works of the law. Only by our faith in Yeshua. Verse 16 of Galatians 2, it says, but yet we know that a person is set right, not by deeds based on Torah, but rather through putting trust in Messiah Yeshua. So even we have put our trust in Messiah Yeshua in order that we might be set right based on trust in Messiah. It's all about trust. And I talked the other, the other day about trust, believe is from our hearts, heart, soul, mind, and strength, putting our faith in, in what he is doing and not by deeds based on Torah because no human will be justified by deeds based on Torah. And Paul rebuked Peter because he was going back to that. He didn't verbally teach another gospel. He didn't say, hey, I want to teach you another gospel. Ha, 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 ha. Then why? You know why? You know what? Paul rebuked him for it. Literally, it came down to he stopped eating with Gentiles. That's what it was about. He stopped eating with Gentiles. You think, well, that's not a big deal. It's only food. No. He broke up family fellowship when he withdrew. And they said, okay, we're going to go over here, Jews. We're going to just go over here. Gentiles, we can't eat together. And yet he was doing that before. That was powerful. Guys, that was in it. And, and Paul saw this and he said, wow, this is not to be the way it is. See, a new family, new family, the one new man is defined practically and symbolically by the Lord's table. 
eating together. Yeah, we break bread together. We share the cup together. But it's about eating together. What happens at the table, by the way? When I'm, I'm not talking about the communion table necessarily, but what happens at the table when we're together? Conversation, relationship, getting to know one another. How many times you want to meet somebody? Hey, let's go to lunch. Let's get to know one another. And yet Peter and Paul, Peter, Peter is saying, no, I, you know, I've got to separate. I can't. The fellowship was broken. That's what one of the things that God is doing during these days is bringing back. When table fellowship is broken, guess what? The gospel is broken. Pardon? When table fellowship is broken, the gospel is broken. Hmm? Yeah. What do we do as Messianics on Christmas and Easter? Ooh, got quiet. We celebrate. Even, okay, it, it, guys, I'm not telling you to go against your conscience. That's, no, not at all. But I believe what we do, if we separate ourselves, we need to be very careful with that. Our families are watching. Our loved ones are watching. What do we do as Messianics on Christmas and Easter. Like I said, it's not about violating your conscience. I, God spoke to me about the foods that I ate, made it very, very clear. It's not about eating pork or seafood. Don't go against your conscience. If somebody puts something before you, you're not going to eat, just, just don't eat it. Just don't eat it. The world doesn't care about our doctrinal statements but they see our fragmentation. They do. So let me bring these things to a close. This has been kind of a, a heavy message. I understand that. But I am so committed to see God bringing my Jewish people, non-Jewish people, whatever you could. By the way, I have no problem with the word Gentile, okay? I grew up with a word, it wasn't Gentile, it was goyim, which is the Hebrew word, the nations, ethnos. That's, it's not a negative term, okay? And I am so committed, and I want Orchayim to be committed to seeing Jew and Gentile coming together. Does that mean that I want every, that, that I believe that every Christian is going to all of a sudden start celebrating Shabbat and the feast? No, but I'm going to do my best to be part of what's going on with them. And you know what happens is that pretty soon they get a greater understanding of God's kingdom purposes and his gospel of the kingdom when they see us working together. And, and sometimes I feel like, you know, it's not worth it. But it is. Because this is, when God gives us something to do, when he gives us a vision, it's not always easy to fulfill. As a matter of fact, I would say just the opposite. But when we trust him, he's breaking down those walls and he's going to continue to break down those walls. He wants us to be part of what he's doing. The gospel restores us as humans. First of all, together, we become a new creation. The old is gone and all things become new. He gives us a new identity. I'm no longer the, you didn't want to know Stu before I was saved. Although my, my wife loved me. I was a different person back then. So was Millie. I can tell you, but I won't. 
I'll let her tell you that. I talked like a sailor because I was a sailor. You ever heard a sailor talk? I won't. Believe me, I won't. But that's just one area. I'm a new creation. And see, that's what the gospel does is it restores us as humans. But it also, and this is the part, this is the hard part for all of us, it restores us as a community. A community, an extended family. We're brought together by the gospel. We're not further divided. The gospel of the kingdom is not a divider, but it brings together where we honor and love as far as higher, is a higher, higher, um, um, what am I going to say? What's the word I'm looking for? Higher responsibilities than separation by our doctrinal differences. And believe me, we have some doctrinal differences. And we can discuss those things. But we do that through discussions. We do that through dialogue. We do that through prayer. We do that through fellowship. See, I want our family, the, the greater family, to glorify the Trinity. Even in the Trinity, there's diversity in that unity, in that echad. Trinity is, and God is, and God is God. The unity comes out of our diversity. This is why we join with Gentile churches for events and prayer and initiatives that are taking place. Not to, to show them where they're wrong, although sometimes I feel like doing it. I don't. Because, but I, I want to, I want to be part of what God is doing in this area. This house must be built on the gospel blueprint. That's what I'm talking about. Stand with me as we close here. I just want to read these scriptures. You've heard them many times. I know that. But I want us to hear these words from Yeshua. The prayer of Yeshua in John chapter 17. It's what's in the process of being fulfilled today. I believe it's, it's a priority of all the prayers that need to be fulfilled. This is a priority. In John chapter 17, verse 11, he says, I am no longer in the world, but they, talking about us, are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one just as we are one. And then if you go down to verse 20, it says, I pray not only, not on behalf of these only. And this is where we get into, he's talking to his Jewish brothers. Okay? Yeshua says, I, I pray not on behalf of these only, but also for those who believe in me through their message. These and those. Think about this. Every one of you, whether you're Jew or Gentile, you are here, if you go all the way back, you are here because those Jewish disciples of Yeshua were faithful to go to the ends of the earth. Amen? And that's why there's those who are now part of our body. So we need to walk together as that body of believers Jew, non-Jew, Gentile, however, goyim, whatever you want to say, these and those, verse 21, that they all may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, 
so also may they be one in us. So the world, this is so key right here, guys, for us to understand that. So the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. He's given us glory, not just the Jewish people, but to all of us. That you have given to me, that I've given to them, so that they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them as you loved me. Echad is a oneness that is evidenced by fellowship, humility, accommodation without compromise. And this is what I'm talking about. We accommodate without compromising. We love and honor without compromising, without judgment, without pride. Verse 23 says we are perfected when we, this is hard work, guys, coming together. Like, it's, it's hard work. We're perfected when we are maintaining that unity that God gives us so that the world will know that Yeshua was sent by the Father. That's why. Amen? Father, I pray that each and every one of us would walk in this one new man. Lord, we have a role as messianic, as a messianic Jewish congregation made up of Jews and Gentiles that we love one another, and it starts here, but we take this into the city. We are praying for that, the valley, going down into the valley. Lord, that we would take this message wherever we go. Lord, that we would be Builders up and not terrors down in what we do. I pray each and every one of us would have a new understanding of what you're doing in this day. And I pray this all in Yeshua's name. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. This is, this is the work that God's called us to. It's not easy. He wants us to persevere in it. He really wants us to persevere in it. It's so important. It's so on his heart right now. 